everybody, it's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge: Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Roundtable. I'm your host He Yang. I am in Shanghai. Today, we plow through the fields of creativity and engage in a conversation that is at the intersection of art and urban farming. And please join me on this journey to uncover the balance between the concrete jungle and a green oasis. Our journey starts at the rooftop garden at NYU Shanghai, and to give us a grand tour is somebody special. He is the mastermind of this project, half-time gardener, full-time assistant art professor of interactive media arts at NYU Shanghai, Andy Garcia. Thank you for the introduction.、Um, so, welcome to our garden. This has been a community effort、uh, from. Students, faculty, and staff, and、uh, let me show you around, and let me show what we've been、uh, planting so far and what's growing. This is fantastic because Andy, look at all this stuff. It's all green, and you've got some lovely little objects dangling from the plants. And I know nothing about any of this stuff, but you have said that this is the plant that we must start with. And I don't even know what this is. What is this?、Uh, so this is a cauliflower. And、uh, these have been planted by students, and you can see they are kind of sprouting. So it means we'll be able to harvest them soon.、Uh, hopefully by the end of November. All right. We can eat them. Okay, so, hold on a second.、Yeah. Let's give this baby cauliflower some spotlight because、right. it is cute. It is tiny, but you're expecting it to be as big as what we see in supermarkets. Oh, hopefully. Well, that's my hope,、uh, and we'll see how how large、uh, it can grow. It can grow.、Mm. Yes. Okay. So that's a cauliflower.、Yes. I had no idea that it grows from the soil this way, and it's like hidden in the middle、mm. of a, a whole bunch of、um, li- big leaves. Yeah. And this is what it is. Every day, it's a new learning experience in the garden and learning how our food grows.、Uh, it's very fascinating, and yeah, I think that's one of the purpose that. Reconnecting to nature and reconnecting with the food we grow, and、uh, you know, just、uh, be aware of that. Yes.、Um, and also, Andy, sorry to stop you there. I see these are tomatoes, and I see eggplants、mm-hmm. dangling from the vine, and this I can recognize, but I have not seen them、um, in real life, as in like on the vine. So let's have a look here. And the tomatoes seem. Like they still need a little bit more time、Correct. to ripen, right? But there's、yeah. one pretty red here. Yeah, those I think are gonna be ready、um, in a week or so. And we have another species of、uh, cherry,、um, cherry tomato,、uh, black cherry tomato,、uh, also be ready soon.、Uh, we're really happy how 
those have been growing and we've been super happy with oh, the eggplant. Ta-da! Here comes the eggplant. We did many eggplant harvests. The first harvest we've had um, 10 to 15 eggplants and we cook them on our campus for students. We just fry them in a pan and uh -huh. let, uh, let people have a taste. Okay. Um, so yeah, this uh, eggplant has been a winner in this garden. Right, so this is a champion of the garden. Okay, question though, did you use fertilizer? We use a little bit organic fertilizer. Oh, you did? Mm. Okay, so, yes. but that's supposed to be healthy and everything? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Awesome, yeah. and? It's basically uh, compost. Okay. Yeah. Well, without fertilizer, because you know you're talking mm. to someone who is a laywoman who knows mm -hmm. nothing about this, um, would you be able to receive such abundance and harvest? All right, so fertilizer helps to have uh, larger and more uh, vegetables. Uh, so you could not use them at all, um, mm -hmm. or not fertilizer at all, and uh, maybe you'll have just a few less eggplants. All right, okay, and I see there's more than a few of mm. eggplants you have here. Andy, if I may, um, without being too imposing, would I be able to take a little souvenir home? Uh, let me have a look. Uh, yeah, I think um, we have a few already. Uh -huh. And we uh, we can harvest right now if you want. Okay, that um, would be wonderful. Okay. Thank you for being so generous. Right, so, so how do we do this? I just um, We're up this just pick this one. This one like looks like can be eaten already. All right, and, so I'm gonna carry that. Right, and I just uh, chop it. Yep. And there you go. It's yours. You it's can right? cook it the way you want. Lovely. Yeah. I'm putting it in my pocket. <laughs> Lovely. I'm taking this from Shanghai, NYU, Shanghai. Thank you very much. And this is okay. Let me yeah. just hold it then. Yeah. All right. And also, Andy, we see that there is this machine, which I am very curious about. Let's have a look. Yes, let's have a look. I am wondering if this has something to do with solar panels. Uh, that's correct. So that's a solar panel that is powering uh, a bunch of sensors. Uh -huh. uh, is, uh, in essence, is a weather station. A weather uh, station. The reason we have it here is because we want to understand what's the local weather in this particular rooftop. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's an upper local weather station to understand like what's the temperature, what's the humidity, uh -huh. are there a lot of winds, how much does it rain here? And so that can give us information on how to better grow uh, plants on our farm. So this all goes down to a computer? Correct. Yeah. So we collect the information, the data, and we can uh, look at it through months or years and see which year uh, had which weather and how those impacted our harvest, for example. All right, so what I see here is one solar panel that is connected to this machine thing, which mm. is um, turning as, spinning as the wind blows. This has something to do with the wind, right? Correct, so this is uh, for the wind speed. Uh, that sensor is for the wind direction. That's our water collection system when it rains. And there's a, another few sensor that we cannot see that measure the temperature and humidity. Awesome. So you've got this cool machine here, and we've only given you uh, information on a fraction of all the different types of plants and vegetables you have here. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but wonder that a little bit further away at the uh, at the edge of the garden, I see this black machine, a huge 
object that I think belongs in the bat cave. So what is this, Andy?、Um, so this is a compost bin. When we harvest some of our plants, we have a lot of green leftovers or the leaves that we don't eat,、uh-huh. and those are like have a lot of nutrients in them.、Um, basically, we. Can introduce them inside the bin. Oh, you're opening up、uh, the thing, and、no. is it gonna smell? <laughs>、uh, it doesn't smell.、Uh, we're very careful what、okay. we introduce inside. So just like greens and、uh, dead leaves, and、um, it's it's a.、Uh, in what we're trying to do is replenish, compost those leaves, and later we want to replenish the soil back with nutrients,、uh, so we can have our soil can be rich again, and we can have an, another harvest. Uh, equally as good as the year before. So this becomes the fertilizer that you use to plant the eggplants and all the other goodies you have here. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, in a way, it's kind of a closed cycle. Yes, yeah. the circle of life.、Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you so much for introducing me to all of this, you know, marvels of nature and、um, on the rooftop of such a renowned university, NYU Shanghai. And we are going to migrate downstairs and have more of a deeper discussion about urban farming and、uh, all the good stuff that comes with that. So. See you downstairs. Hey guys, we're now right smack dab in the middle of the courtyard in NYU Shanghai, and here we are going to have an interesting discussion about urban farming, art, and so much more. So today I'm joined, or at least for this part, I am joined by here's our very own Yushun. Yushun, you've been exploring NYU Shanghai for. For quite some time, actually, and you've been shooting videos, and do check them out、uh, in the coming weeks. So, are you ready to talk about farming and、uh, all the great stuff that、yeah. comes about that with、Absolutely. the urban setting, especially under this comfortable environment? Yes, we can stretch your legs and come on. Yes, and also let's bring the guests on, Assistant Professor Andy Garcia, who just met, and thank you so much for taking us on that. Trip and tour,、um, yeah, on the rooftop. So wonderful to have you with us, and also Anna Greenspan, associate professor of contemporary global media at NYU Shanghai. Welcome to Roundtable. Thank you. It's wonderful to have this lineup. So together we will unravel the canvas of sustainable farming, urban farming, as well as art, and maybe we'll throw in a little bit of the background of、uh, CIIE and all of this. So yes, let's go to Andy first because that was such a wonderful and cozy little trip we had at the、uh, rooftop garden. And what's prompted you to、um, get involved with something like this? And、uh, has it been something you've always wanted to start, get your hands dirty, so to speak? Um, so actually, at NYU Shanghai, we've been doing urban farming for quite some time. So I'm just taking on that、um, legacy.、Uh, on our previous campus, we had a small plot of land where、uh, students, faculty, and staff they grow some vegetables. And so now, in this new campus on the seventh floor rooftop, we had this opportunity to make things. Uh, bigger and larger, and the aim. This small experiment that we're running at the moment、uh, 
was really to engage everyone in our community to come and have a hands-on activity, put their hands in the soil, grow things, reconnect with nature, reconnect with the food we eat, spend some time outdoors, make new connections, and you know, really enjoy the outdoors because we spend so much time in front of our screens indoors. So it's just, just a really nice activity too. And of course, these activities, they later lead towards uh, larger discussions around urban farming, such as food security, like food production in the view of uh, climate change or in the view of like uh, global crises and conflicts. We can also talk about food ethics, how our decisions on what we eat every day, uh, you know, can have an impact mm-hmm. on subjects like this. So we start very simple with a lighthearted activity, but these open the conversation to broader subjects of conversation. Yes, and the pandemic has changed our ideas and perceptions towards urban farming. Also, just having these little pots of greenery in your own apartment and on your a balcony as such. So I think it's really wonderful that people are getting involved more and wanting to know more about what goes into the plates of uh, your food and, and all of that. Um, Anna, um, has the pandemic changed your view on, you know, having your little urban garden as such? And also I know for a fact that you're involved with uh, projects of community gardens, as well as the uh, the Zhanghai Huiyuan project, and tell us a bit more about your considerations when it comes to, you know, these urban projects as such. Yeah, I think that it was very clear in the pandemic that having plant life around one was good for well-being, mm-hmm. and I think that this is part of the underlying uh, motivations for our project here. There is a sense that what it is to be a university is, you know, what is it to make a campus, right? It's not just a building and it's not just a building with outdoor landscape, right? That there's something about the environment that one, that you're in that actually shapes the kind of thinking that you can do, right? Mm-hmm. So when we are trying to promote this project, we say, you know, they're called the Ivy Leagues for a reason. It's because there's Ivy growing out of it, right? Um, So this sense of life outside the space of the classroom is really crucial for how we can think and create together. And I think this is what everyone felt in their own homes when we were stuck and locked inside. And we realized that if you have an environment that has uh, life in it, that that really also serves one's own well-being and one's own sense of peace and and creativity and thought and these things. So this is why we feel it's really essential part of the university, right? Yeah. Um, And I can still remember that back then uh, when everybody is staying at home and people are even, because we didn't have that much of soil at home, right? So people are even starting planting little greeneries, probably not even for eat, for just for, you know, looking at the view and um, they will just plant these things through water. Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's an actually an interesting project that we we experimented with. I mean, part of the, that maybe we can talk about is, you know, we're interested in innovative ways to do urban gardening. And so there's this whole field of hydroponics, right? Um, 
um, growing things just with water. So we've experimented with that. But I think that you're right, that it's very important for many reasons just to have life around us, to have plants around us, right? And to be able to touch them and smell them and and um, just have something growing so you're not in a totally sterile environment and mm. that changes one's perspective. Mm. And that's why I think this project, the whole rooftop gardening project is very fascinating because students can actually get some first-hand experience of, you know, doing these things. Yeah, I think that, I mean, maybe Andy can speak to this, but we're, I think, even though we're very into it, we've mm -hmm. been slightly surprised at how enthusiastic. Oh. Well, um, the first event we did uh, was like a fall planting event. We had 50 people come on a rooftop ready to engage, uh, plant uh, whichever seeds we had on hand, pipe up the irrigation system. So many of our students there and faculty and all their community just wanted to be there. I mean, 50 people that we promoted just fairly and we had a great response. I mean, we could see directly like how much demand for these activities there is. And it, it's just like a simple activity that gives you back so much. And we can create new connections also through the garden. So it's a space that we want to be alive to create connection conversations, you know, bring in different type of events, research, uh, different faculties, research, different, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a place of connection with nature, but also with the rest of the community. And I think that's probably the best part of it, because um, once you have a project that can have this kind of reach, and then when there's the exchange of uh, humanity, and I think it just brings it all up to a different level. And to see so many uh, staff and students to enjoy a project like this, and also to have almost a community effect of it, then that's really beautiful, as well as really green. And I think these days people are um, obsessed about the idea of uh, sustainability. And see this rooftop garden slash farm idea is yeah. not necessarily new, but why do you think it's not really taken hold? Like maybe what people would like to see. It's like when I'm traveling in Europe, for example, I've seen a numerous uh, buildings with green rooftops, if not green facades as well with vegetation. Admittedly, not all of these places are growing yields for harvest, but having, you know, these plants on buildings. And that's been seen as um, a pretty conventional way of just uh, making our cities a little bit more environmental friendly and as such. Um, what do you think that this is not taken hold in China and also around the world like we would have wanted to see it happen, like spreading like fire, because that's certainly not happened. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, in some ways it's it's new, right? So there's it, it depends on a city space and different urban structures have different modes of urban gardening. For example, in England, right, there's a, a pretty old system of allotments where this is like uh, an area in a neighborhood is set aside. This isn't on a rooftop. I'm not talking about on a rooftop, but I'm talking about like a particular area set aside. And people have allotments that they garden so that there's a kind of culture of that there. To create something on a roof or a balcony obviously requires a certain amount of engineering, right? Like you have to think about drainage, you have to think about water, you have to think about 
the heaviness of the soil and these sorts of issues. So I think in some ways, like it is the future, right? It's, it's especially in dense, very dense cities like Shanghai, right? There's a great opportunity to use balconies and rooftops in this way. And so uh, what we're hoping with this space that we create here that it kind of acts like a bit of a, a showcase or model for the types of things that can happen on a rooftop, mm -hmm. right? And how, yeah, we want to do lots of research and also sort of model some of this because definitely it's not, you know, you have to create a structure so that this will work uh, and it won't, but it's like, it's kind of wasted space to not have it much more uh, pervasive. If, if you think about it, like as a trend, we're having larger and larger and bigger urbanizations worldwide. So right. it's, it's a, a fact. Most people nowadays live in cities, cities are going to just get bigger and bigger. So it's just like going to be more and more a trend or a, a factor to include some of these green spaces in whichever area we can. And of course, one, one of the easiest spots we can introduce is an, and use rooftops. So I think at some point, these will catch up. We will catch up with uh, this generation, maybe the future generation. Uh, at some point when cities are massive, we're too disconnected from nature, we want to reintroduce it in some shape or form. Yeah, and I call this an advantage that um, Shanghai people can enjoy because in Beijing, where I'm from, um, the winters are just so cold and it gets awfully dry. Now is the season to pull out your moisturizers and lotions, you know? So, um, yeah, we don't really have that natural environment that's so conducive to brewing all this good stuff on a rooftop. You can probably create your own greenhouse, but also one of the reasons why these wonderful projects don't spread around as, as much as we would like to see is that sometimes the scalability is just difficult to go around. No, I think though it's very uh, important to experiment, to do lots of experiments with this in various types of ways, right? And and to see what works and what doesn't work. And there are a lot of experiments, I'm sure, also in Beijing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm obviously more familiar with what's going on around here, but there are lots of attempts at experiments, and there's a lot of uh, also roundup experiments of of people that just kind of want to grow stuff in any areas that they can, right? So I think that it doesn't necessarily have to be a kind of grand vision that that takes on, you know, that can it can kind of start from these small experiments and then we can see, you know, what works, what doesn't work, uh, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know, because, you know, urban farming, this idea, um, if we're talking about it, it's probably kind of a new or niche, but actually when we're Thinking about, you know, the habit of Chinese people will like to do a little bit gardening, right? They, they, they do this like all the time, right? Um, and then I actually think that if I can say that when I came to Shanghai in the early 2000s, you know, you had a more experience of people that were just urbanized, who were coming from the countryside. And you would see a lot more people just grow it like, you know, whatever, under a bridge or along a riverbank or whatever people in the front yard, people in the front yard, like 
So I think there is a great desire of people to do this right. and a great, you know, people recognize the advantage of it. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Roundtable. I'm your host, He Yang. I am in Shanghai. We're now right smack dab in the middle of the courtyard in NYU, Shanghai. And here we are going to have an interesting discussion about urban farming, art, and so much more. So today I'm joined by, here's our very own Yushun. And also, let's bring the guests on. Assistant Professor Andy Garcia, and also Anna Greenspan, Associate Professor of Contemporary Global Media at NYU Shanghai. Welcome to Roundtable. Thank you. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because for Chinese people, although sometimes we do have self-deprecating humor, um, the observation is that Chinese people like to grow produce right you don't grow plants right you know and it's for the food yeah. that you're putting the effort in it's not for well that's pleasing to the yeah end. so at least traditionally that right. isn't really the way people look at stuff and also for uh, i mean this is showing my naivete and partially of you know, that is just it's kind of um intentional i suppose like when andy took me to uh take a look at the garden i had no idea um, any of that stuff, yeah. I had to like look at. Oh, there's a, a ripened eggplant. Okay, so that must be what it grows out from. So it's like I think there's a whole generation of Chinese kids who are completely disconnected uh, from the food or that that we eat and from nature because that's just not what we're used to, not what you grew up with. No, absolutely, and I think I I fell into that category completely. I mean. Before even getting my hands on, I also was quite clueless. I mean, one of the aims was also to learn and, and share the learning. I also understand better the the food, the food production system, food nutrition, and this. Uh, so, what one of the aspects that we recognize about urban farming is that okay, we produce food, but there's also other advantages that are uh, beyond food. Is is a bit of a therapeutic aspect to it, like. You're there, you're present, you're doing something careful, you're observing if, if the plant is growing well, you're observing uh, the smell of it. And also that helps you to well, reconnect to nature and also understanding better the nutrition. And just because now, now I spend more time in the garden, uh, we have a weekly meetup and we harvest a cucumber, a radish or an eggplant <laughs> and they taste so good. And it leads me to eat more whole foods, more greens. I mean, if you think about it, in the city, we eat a lot of processed food. There's a lot of delicious food, but maybe we don't get our fair share of green vegetables and whole foods, fresh harvested. So even though I'm not going to feed myself or feed the community with this garden, I'm just creating that habit of, Oh, appreciation with this food and that will lead me perhaps to make better decisions when I'm in the grocery store and things like that. I think you're really right. I mean, this is part of the trend, I think, of urban gar- right? So uh, if we ask our students and I, if I ask the students in a class, how many of your grandparents were farmers? Mm-hmm. Many of them mm-hmm. will say yes. 
right? But then there's been this process of, like you say, a kind of greater and greater disconnect. So now if I ask my students, like, where do you shop? Most of them are like on my phone. And so they'll just look at a picture of a tomato. And, I, and for me, that's already kind of weird. Like, yeah. don't you want to look at the actual tomato that you're, don't you want to smell it or see like that's the choice, you know, that, that you've chosen that tomato? Mm -hmm. But they're like, no, I trust him or whatever. Right. And they just, um, you know, click their phone. And so the disconnect is is growing. And so I think it's really incredible when you take people that have lost that connection and get them to like, just pick something for yourself. Just pick something. Yeah, It's like really like there's a lot of visceral pleasure and uh, a sense of reconnection that happens very, very easily. Like, you know, with not much effort. Right. Yeah. Well, it's more than that. I would think of an effort because, um, Annie described it's almost like looking after, should I say a little baby? <laughs> Is that a fair comparison? And taking care of your baby, the cauliflower, <laughs> and your tomato and radishes, and uh, to see it ripen and, and eat it. Yeah. Give it to me. I mean, yeah, and, and everyone has been asking for... They, they come to God and they say, cucumber is red house. And they're like, can I have some? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so they eat it. You're a jealous um, man. And so it's been great. There's been so much positive feedback from the garden. In just this small experiment that we've been doing, we can't wait to have our large garden where we can explore with uh, native species like trees, like medicinal plants. We want to incorporate uh, uh, all sorts of where fruit trees and and you know really expand what we can do up mm -hmm. there and think about ecology as something that can you know connect us to yeah to, to nature yeah yeah i i can fully understand because um oh i because uh andy mentioned that as probably a therapeutic process of growing these plants right and um even i i remember i like grew a little bit of carrots at my home um, I didn't want it to grow an actual carrot, but I just seeing the leaves growing longer and then the taller, this, the whole process is very, I think, yeah, comforting if they're. Yeah. And that's something a lot of people picked up that, you know, growing your own plants or produce is really good for mental health. Yes. And, and that's, that's something that we're paying more and more attention to. And also you mentioned something so interesting about being able to taste your own fruit, um, love um and that's so fresh and with a lot of the um the vegetables that we shop at uh, supermarkets they don't taste so juicy or they don't have that really awesome flavor that they used to have and some people attribute that to all these uh, vegetables that are industrialized uh and, and produced in that I think this is like one of the things we really want to research, right? Like, so in our little bits of research so far, we have tried hydroponics and right. So there's these questions about like, for example, you know, what types of soil, right? Like if you talk to gardeners, right, you know, they really talk a lot about soil. And so our vision for this uh, in its uh, full manifestation is really as a research garden. So like, you can ask these kinds of questions, right? Like what happens with different qualities of soil mm -hmm. and how does that affect something like taste, right? Like we talked, you know, in, in 
wine culture, whatever, they talk about the terroir, right? The, mm. the way that the soil actually affects the taste of something. So we, we were really interested in trying like my own experiment with hydroponics, but maybe that was because, you know, this was just a one experiment. We have to do more was that the taste wasn't that good. Yeah. And that the, that you really need the richness of soil to, you know, this is obviously part of the reason that that Shanghai is so fertile, right, is because it has this, you know, very, very fertile soil. So, you know, we're very interested in thinking about that and, and doing experiments and researching that. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I read an article about hydroponic and aeroponic yeah. growth methods being uh, touted at the China International Import Expo is because a lot of new technology is being uh, shown there. And with agriculture is a big part of it. Also, this growing interest in sustainable farming and um, what humans can do to feed this growing population without exploiting or depleting the resources of our planet. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're both part of this program in interactive media arts. So we're interested in how new technologies, emerging technologies can interface with these sorts of things. So we're really interested in all sorts of experiments. Uh, Andy will talk in a moment about, you know, some of the ways that you can use different sensors, you can use different AI systems. Like, I'm really amazed, I have to say, just at these apps that are available now and identifying things. So there's, uh, you know, we're, we're very much interested in um, challenging uh, um, idea that there's like nature on one side and culture and technology on another side, right? We're really interested in t thinking about how these things uh, interact and, and our project is really about experimenting with all sorts of new technologies. So um, in, in my course and my research, uh, I like to introduce a lot of technology and then combine it with uh, urban farming. So I come from a design and technology background and I have my interest on learning about how food systems works. And so when combining both of them, we work on projects that are like hydroponics, controlled environment systems. How can I grow something the most efficiently possible? So I can, in an hydroponic system, I can use less water, for instance, than traditional culture. So it really speaks to, it's been a quest to seeing how we can produce for more efficiently for the whole population. Because right now, traditional farming, it's, it's been amazing. It's been the whole population at the detriment of soil quality, you know, big monocultures, sterilization of the soil. And it's like, well, we cannot continue on that. There are some challenges need to be addressed. Well, vertical farming or hydroponics are a part of that solution, I believe. They, they for sure not by their own, they're not the magic bill, they will not solve all the problems. They actually, they probably will be just a fraction of solving that problem. But in the face of uh, global warming and changing weather patterns, you know, all the farmlands around the world are going to be more exposed. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to impact food production in a way or another. So I think in a way or another, controlling the environment where we grow food is going to be something that we have to do more and more. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, agriculture and technology is kind of a getting people's attention in recent years, and it can totally reflect it from, you know, the situation of CIIE. Because um, 
I looked up something about this international event. So this year, um, there are so many international companies and organizations from the agricultural industry to actually participate in this international event. I think with over 1,000 international companies and organizations from more than 100 countries and regions, um, that's the number. And within this food and uh, agricultural products exhibition area, there is a actually specialized area for crop seed industry, where some international companies and organizations, of course, such as Bayer and um, the U.S. Brains Council, gather to actually share their experience, to exchange ideas, and um, um, to finally develop the whole industry of agriculture. And um, and also, of course, we know that there are some very uh, many forums during the whole CIE session, right? So. All of these things are making this, I think, platform a very international and professional platform for the development of agriculture industry. Yeah, certainly having a platform that can get everybody together from different countries and uh, to exchange ideas and have a place where you can exchange um, some of the ideas like and still be in this nascent stage or the product isn't all that mature, but uh, sort of being able to speak with your peers and uh and see what everybody else is doing what's what's going on in spain when it comes to urban farming as such and then i think it's just a great opportunity for the business ventures as well as um for those who are sort of looking for new ideas for research projects and uh, growing industries as such and also i can't help but think of this place we're at NYU Shanghai, you know, this is one of those uh, emblematic places of international exchange and this wonderful international and open atmosphere that we're feeling here. And to see this um, urban farm slash garden um, to take room here, this is definitely one of the wonderful discoveries we've made on our trip here in Shanghai this time. And also we talked so much about agriculture, about, of course, the importance of it. But it might take people by surprise that traditional agriculture is actually among the top three most polluting industries in, in the world. And do you think that urban farming, however we define it or however that's been implemented in different places around the world, can it significantly lessen that impact on the environment or how hopeful, I guess, are you about I think that's a it's a tough question to to answer. I, I don't think nobody has a, a direct a, answer. Yeah, direct answer. It is something that we need to discover as we go on. Right now, urban farming or vertical farming plays a very uh, small role in feeding the world population. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully, that's something that well, maybe we can investigate on our garden as uh, with our students, with our researchers botanist, ecologist, uh, I want to bring in people together and, and tackle these uh, big questions that uh, are going to definitely be important for, well, the future of humanity. And it's a bit dramatic, this, but never. I think that, um, mm. you know, generally speaking, right, like that we're interested in sort of small-scale experiments, right? How can we think about small-scale experiments and, and actually research some of these questions that, you know, there's no, you know, they're very, very difficult uh, problems. And I think you're, you're right, right? Like industrial agriculture um, is, is a very highly 
polluting um, uh, source for the world. And and you know I don't think that urban farming is a as a solution for feeding people because you know I think one of the things that we you discover when you're doing this is that like growing one tomato plant is actually quite a bit of work and you know and so you might get frustrated because like you can just go down to the market and buy a tomato <laughs> so I think that urban farming and urban gardening has all these other effects to do with people's well-being to do with people's like connections to do with the non-human or some people say like the more than human communities that make up our cities yeah. and fostering those. So it's not just about food production. I think it's important that we don't just look at it as like, is this going to serve our food needs, like our human food needs? It's rather like maybe we need to reorient our modes of being on this planet and thinking about our urban environments as a place that, you know, butterflies and bees and worms and plants and along with different sensing agents like different types of artificial intelligences and yeah all sorts of other than human intelligence can kind of coexist so we we're interested in experimenting with that and and yeah. also i think that depends on you know the situation of different cities because um for example singapore they developing a lot on urban farming, I would say, mm -hmm. according to what I researched, uh, they import basically 90% of their mm -hmm. uh, nutritional needs, right? And um, they are developing urban farming for this kind of reason, because they would like to increase the efficiency of land use. Mm -hmm. And in that case, probably urban farming is for maybe food needs. But in other side of the story, maybe, you know, another kind of psychological needs can be satisfied by our urban part, I think. So we're really interested in our, like our project uh, is a research project. And as we are NYU Shanghai, we're a global network university. So we're really interested in ha thinking about gardens in a global context. So exactly like, you know, Singapore is a very good example, right? There's like really good, interesting examples of, of course, a long, deep tradition of gardens philosophical types of gardens in Japan, for example. We're interested in connecting with NYU has a site in Florence, right, where there's the Renaissance Garden, right? So we're really interested in looking at gardens around the world and uh, thinking about um, sort of lessons and uh, ideas and inspirations from these other sites. And exactly like, of course, it really depends on the conditions, the climate, the soil of that particular place, right? And also the cultural history of that right. particular place, right? Yeah, and also with the Zhang He Huiyuan, yeah. my Shanghainese is all, uh, obviously not up to stuff, uh, but uh, it's really interesting that you deliberately kept the Shanghai dialect in the title of, the, of this place. And um, so I would assume in probably wanted to be very authentically Shanghai or yeah. something like that. So inspired by this project of Eric Sanderson, we're really interested in looking at and exploring and understanding the natural history of Shanghai, the ecological history of Shanghai, uh, you know, its waterways, 
its soil, its plants, its animals. You know, there were, I, I think there were tigers in Shanghai. Wow. Right? So we're not interested in being black tigers in the city. Maybe, but maybe. Uh, but, uh, but the point of looking at the history is to help reimagine the future. Right. So to look at the ecological history of Shanghai in order to reimagine the future, that's really what the project is about. And the garden that we want to manifest is a platform for this research. Right. And also, um, I read in your um, event brochure that you're keeping the idea of um, converging the East and West philosophies together in the design of this project and I'm curious how do these two come together in a harmonious way and when you talk about harmony that's possibly very um, oriental or whatever it is so what do you say to that? I mean we're very interested in looking at the philosophical and cultural and artistic history of garden culture in various places right so and if you start looking it's very very rich of course Around here, as we were saying, right? Like, of course, we have the Jiangnan Garden and the and the scholar garden traditions, right? Which are very, very rich uh, in terms of literature and painting and and the gardens themselves, of course. And then also we're working closely, for example, with NYU Florence, where they have this cultural history of the Renaissance Garden. Um, and it's interesting to look at how different the different features of a garden, right? Like plants, water, stone, you know, earth, how these different material materialities are expressed in these different cultural traditions. So I think we're very well placed to think deeply about these different philosophical and artistic and cultural traditions. Um, I think I would, I want to add uh, related to our garden, yeah. the Zhanghe Garden, that what you saw before is just uh, an empty slab. But because it's an ongoing project, this is not what, uh, if the viewers see uh, our um, filming before, uh, this is just a small-scale exploration of what will be a larger garden. I just want to re-emphasize yeah, right. that, yeah. that it's a... Uh, Ongoing project, we, it's going to be developed. Yeah. And there's going to be water uh, features, rock features. There's going to be uh, large trees. It, it's uh, We have a design, a beautiful design, and we are just uh, in the process. So, I don't know, hopefully maybe like by next year, the full garden will be there. And uh, we'll also have space for outdoor activities and space for research labs. So, this is just an initial experiment. We have the space, you know, we just moved into this campus so this is like uh, the beginning phase and the and the manifestation of it hopefully will happen in the next i don't know hopefully in the next year yeah and also both of you are professors of arts and the media do you think that there's maybe something unique for you to offer you know like having this background in arts to add to this discussion of urban farming and agriculture yeah, I mean, I think that it's very clear from from this place that if you go to a garden uh, in Suzhou, right, it's very clear that there's not 
the the line between art and gardens are, you know, that there's an aesthetics. So that's something that we're very interested in. Um, and we're also, I think, on the other side, because we're interested in media arts, there's a lot of contemporary artists that are working with plants or, you know, there's a lot of research now on plant intelligence, for example, and things like that. So so we're interested in, in sort of both sides of that. And one of the projects that uh, our, one of our colleagues is working on is like to grow different types of materials and different types of pigmentation and you know, so there's all sorts of ways in which uh, the arts, broadly speaking, converge with. And, and nature is, is always such a great source of inspiration. I mean, there is so much. Mother Nature, I, I've done everything. And, and then every time we try, we thought we invent something great, nature did it 10 times better. Mm. And uh, so there is such a great things to learn. Well, in media arts, we all like to combine it with technology and see how that looks like and how can we, you know, play with it and make interesting projects. I mean, a lot of our students, we talk about farming, but uh, last uh, semester we have a student work with mushroom, cultivating mycelium, uh, understanding mycelium as a living organism and how it can, you know, compare or what. Yeah. I don't know exactly what. Or get the details, but it was very interesting to see that relationship with the natural world and you know uh, media. I think it's also interesting if you look at um, you know this issue about plant intelligence, something that we're quite interested in, right? That's kind of uh, cutting edge research. A lot of it has to do with the types of photography we now can. So one of the things is that plants and operate in a different sort of time frame than we do right so often we can't really see them grow and we can't see but if you see slow motion uh or, or stop got photography of plants then you can see how it is that they operate and that their their mode of sensing in the world becomes clearer so technologies and and artistic uh, engagements really are is very revealing in that way Yes, absolutely. And what a wonderful discussion we've had with the harvest of knowledge and inspiration come to the end of today's show. And we would like to leave you with the seeds of change through urban gardening to a green city. And uh, my heartfelt thanks to our wonderful guests, Andy Garcia, Assistant Art Professor of Interactive Media Arts of NYU Shanghai, and Anna Greenspan. Associate Professor of Contemporary Global Media at NYU Shanghai, and of course, our very own Gushun for all the wonderful insights that you guys have shared with us. And for listeners out there, please remember that the cityscape is your campus and go out there and paint it green. I'm He Young. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs>